Greeting everyone, welcome to Ujima Spirit Podcast. I am your host, Atika Taylor. Today's topic is dysfunctional people. Yes, we're talking about the people who are dysfunctional. Now, basically, when we use the word dysfunctional, we're describing people who are unhealthy, people who have unhealthy behaviors. That's what we're talking about. Now, the word dysfunctional can be so general and seem so vague, like it includes a lot of things. And it does, okay? It includes all the things that are negative. When you see someone who's totally irrational, they're not functioning in a healthy way. They don't have a healthy state of mind. And they're embracing negativity. They're embracing all the things that don't work, not because someone is setting that as a standard, but because those things are creating problems and conflicts and difficulties and crisis. That's the reason why these things are not condoned. These behaviors, these mindset, these perspective, these philosophy, these way of life are not good. And when we see people adopting these ways, we call them dysfunctional. That's what we call them. It's a blanket statement. Dysfunctional. Okay? So whenever we see someone who is unhealthy, destructive, what we would call totally irrational, we call them dysfunctional. We run into these people all the time. Okay, and it seems as if that we have more dysfunctional people than we have healthy people. Now, based on studies, it is it is stated that around 70 to 80 percent of the population is dysfunctional. Now, 70 to 80 percent, that is a large percentage of people. Which societies, just in Western society in particular, This study wasn't conducted in Asia, Africa, or the islands, or the Pacific area. It was conducted in Western society, particularly in America, the United States of America. So 70 to 80 percent of the people in America or any Western cultures are basically dysfunctional, right? Now, what makes them dysfunctional? What makes them unhealthy? Okay, we have to get to the root of the problem. What's creating these dysfunctional behaviors? And why people are just pretty much dysfunctional on all or most levels? Why? Okay, now let's just get down to the nitty gritty. Now, usually dysfunctional people come from dysfunctional families. That's where they come from. People are not born dysfunctional. Nobody is born dysfunctional. Right now, being dysfunctional is basically a learned behavior. It's a learned behavior. Again, if someone comes from a family where they are experiencing all type of drama and trauma and crisis and problems, okay, these families are unreliable, inconsistent, irresponsible, and unstable. What do we expect? Okay, I mean, they normalize and accept inappropriate behavior. It's very simple. That's why the family is the foundation of any society, any community. If the family is dysfunctional, we could see where 70 to 80 percent 
of the people are going to be dysfunctional. Yes, if our families, if we have 70 to 80% of our families, if they are dysfunctional, then we could see how 70 to 80% of people are dysfunctional because they're coming from dysfunctional families. That's just the bottom line. That's why as a community, we have to work so hard to give our families what they need to be healthy. Give them the education that they need. Let them know what is appropriate, what isn't appropriate, what is good and what is bad, what is healthy, what is unhealthy. And we have to provide these families with the resources that they need to be healthy. If they need the education, they need the counseling, they need the therapy, they need the financial resources, they need the support groups, they need financial assistance, They need parenting classes. Whatever it is that our families need, we need to be in the position as a society to help them. Because if not, these dysfunctional families are going to be creating dysfunctional members of society. Period. We can't really blame them if they're born into something, if they don't know nothing else, if they were taught these things whether it directly taught them by someone sitting down and saying, hey, listen, this is the way it is, or just through observation, okay, through interaction and socialization. We can't blame these families because this is all they know. Now, we can hold them responsible once we educate them and teach them a better way of life, okay? Instead of teaching the children about sex, teaching the children about biology, teaching the children about promiscuous behavior in school, maybe we need to focus on how to be a healthy family. If the school is going to take on a project to help the students, be practical with it. Give them what they need to be better people. Stop teaching them about sexuality. I mean, what, what, what does that have to do with anything? The children don't have no manners. They're, they're not respectful. They're not considerate. They're not generous. They're not compassionate. These are the things that we need to teach them in school in order to help the family. Instead, we're teaching them about sex, which makes no sense. That's irrational. We're teaching children about sexual identity. What a child needs to know about sexual identity for at seven, eight, nine years old, when they don't even have table manners. They don't have etiquette. They don't know how to sit down properly at a table and eat properly. They don't even know how to say thank you, excuse me. They don't even have manners. These are the basic things that we need to teach our children and to teach our parents. Compassion, consideration, respect. Those are the things that we need to be teaching in the school, in the church, in the community centers, in the homes. Basic value. Being able to value another human being. Being able to appreciate another human being. Cooperate and work with them. Learn how to be diplomatic. How to be understanding. How to be courteous. These are the basic things that we need to teach so people can be more normal in terms of being healthy. Because unfortunately, dysfunctional behavior has been normalized. And that's the reason why a lot of people are dysfunctional because it has been normalized. So many people are dysfunctional, 70 to 80%.
That's almost the whole society. So this is why dysfunction is okay. Let's talk about the families that are dysfunctional. Let's talk about the families. Why are they dysfunctional? They have a lot of problems. We're not blaming the families, but we're just trying to understand the very foundation of a society, the family. Whatever comes up the family is going to become the norm. And if we don't stop it, who's we? The society, the people in the position of leadership, the people in the church, the people in the schools, the people that run the government, the people that own the businesses. It is in the society's best interest to have healthy people. If not, we're going to have crime. We're going to have homicides, people killing people. We're going to have robbery. We're going to have people stealing and lying and hurting others. We're going to have all kind of other dysfunctional behaviors. So we need to be able to help our families become more healthy. That should be the goal of any government. Because if 70 to 80% of the people in the society are dysfunctional, come on. That speaks about the society's priority. That society is not prioritizing healthy relationships. Healthy relationship is everything. It is the foundation of the family. If a family doesn't have healthy relationship with each other, how can people within that family learn how to have healthy relationship with themselves and with other people outside of home? How can that happen? It won't happen. That's why it's so necessary for us to start focusing on our families. We need to start investing money and resources to build our families. That's what we need to do. Stop building weapons of mass destruction. Okay, the government, especially in the United States, they invest billions of dollars in weapons of mass destruction so they can maintain their superpower. At the same time, their families are deteriorating. The families are suffering. They're divided. They're confused. There are personal conflicts within families. Families are killing each other. Domestic violence, they're hurting each other. While the government neglects the family. Focusing on other things that really are not so relevant to the family in the first place. The family should be top priority. Okay, now let's go ahead on and find out some of these dysfunctional families. What's causing dysfunction in these families? Let's find out before we start talking about dysfunctional people and their behavior. Because we got to get to the root of the problem. What is the root of the problem? The family. What type of families? Dysfunctional families. Now, there are different types of dysfunctional families. Now, dysfunctional, again, just means unhealthy. That's it. It's a blanket statement for any unhealthy behavior. Negative patterns. Bad habits that are acquired within the family that affects individual members. Okay? Now, trauma-induced families is definitely one of the main reasons why we have dysfunctional people because they come from trauma-induced families. All right. Now, what are some of the characteristics of trauma-induced family? Always actively engaging in some type of traumatic situation or relationship. Okay, we have a lot of codependency going on in the family. Codependency meaning that family members keep each other sick by enabling negative behavior. When I say sick, I'm not talking about physically sick. I'm talking about emotionally and mentally sick. People and families that are affected by trauma, they have codependency behavior, okay? 
They enable each other to keep doing crazy stuff, to keep doing irrational things, to keep doing unhealthy things. Codependency. Okay? Traumatic bonding. A lot of the family members, they connect through trauma because they all been hurt. They all been hurt by something. And usually it's intergenerational. They all been victimized in some way. They all been oppressed in some way. Okay? So they they reinforce the negativity. They create toxic environments. Okay? Now codependency, they cover up each other's dirt. They make excuses for each other's dysfunctional behavior. Sometimes they even deny the problem. All right? These are trauma-induced families, and we have a lot of families that have experienced trauma. Whether it's sexual trauma, physical trauma, emotional pro- trauma, financially induced trauma, okay, oppression, whether it be a collective oppression, maybe these families are part of a minority group or an oppressed group, all right, so they have trauma bonding, they all bond together because they understand each other's pain, and they make excuses for each other not to heal and not to get out of that situation, they piggyback off each other. They make excuses. Oh, you know he crazy. You know she crazy. That's just the way they are. That's just the way we are. We are dysfunctional. And that's just the way it is. That's the way it's always going to be. Everybody has a problem. Everybody has a mental health problem in the family. Everybody has an emotional problem. Okay? Now, this is trauma-induced family. That's the reason. Now, we can understand someone who comes from a trauma-induced family. We can understand why they are dysfunctional. We can understand why they're unhealthy. We can understand why they're acting, why they're acting irrational. Because this is where they come from. This is, this is what they learn. This is their foundation. Now, let's go to the next one. Conflict-centered families. Okay, always some type of problem that is never solved. They thrive off a of conflict. These families always have disagreements, disputes, or arguments ongoing. It's ongoing. Retaliation involved, always some type of disturbance, always some type of negative emotions. They have hate, envy, anger. It's always something popping off. Okay, when you come into these families, conflict-centered families, there's no peace. It's always turmoil, some type of problem. I mean, just the atmosphere in that family. When you walk in, it's like all hell is breaking loose. Total chaos. Right? Something's always going on. And sometimes these families are very agitated. They always agitate. You know, someone is always ready to pop off. Okay? They're unpredictable. They go to emotional extremes. One minute they're happy, everybody's laughing. The next minute, everybody's angry, everybody's upset. They hold grudges. They're hateful towards one another. They're envious. They, they're jealous of each other. This is the conflict-centered family. That's why you have to be very careful when you date someone. You know, you have to get to know their family. Get to know where they come from. Because if they come from a trauma-induced family or a conflict-centered family, you're going to have some problems. Because this is what they know. This is what's normal to them. So they're always going to go back to it by default. If they don't consciously acknowledge there's a problem and get some help for it, whether it's self-help or they get some external help, then it's going to come back at some point, whether it's when you get married, when you have children, when you move in together, 
when you've been together for a while, that behavior is going to come up, okay? Conflict-centered families. You could walk in there and you could just feel the tension in the air. You can feel the negativity in these homes. And sometimes physically, you can see the homes upside down, that nobody is really taking care of the home. And sometimes physically, you could see it on the children. Nobody's really taking care of the children sometimes. They neglect the children, okay? Now, let's move on to the violent family, violence-centered family, violence-centered families. Now, of course, these families, you have domestic violence, whether it be physical abuse, emotional, mental, verbal, or sexual abuse. There's a lot of aggression and hostility and defensive behaviors. Sometimes people go into rages, okay, or they're angry to the point where it's unbearable. There's a power control dynamic that's happening in these families. So we call them violent-induced families. Sometimes you can walk into a family, you can tell. You see, you know, broken chairs, you know, broken items. You, you see things are displaced. I mean, it looks like a war zone sometimes, physically, when you walk into the place. Now, on the other hand, hand the family could be visibly okay in terms of there's nothing out of place, everything looks fine, but they can be very violent and very aggressive towards each other. And maybe they're very nice and polite towards other people who are non-family members, but as you get to know them and you you get into the family, you see the violence. They throw things at each other, they hit each other, they verbally attack each other, they tear each other down emotionally. Now, if you come from that type of family, you can understand how people, you know, can be dysfunctional. This is a violent family, very dysfunctional, all right? So we have trauma-induced families, conflict-centered families, and violent-centered families. We have that, right? Let's continue. Authoritarian family. Parents are dictators. They dominate the household with iron fists. Punishment and repression. That's basically what they do. They punish everybody in the family. They repress their emotions. They're not allowed to be expressive, to be creative, to be loving. A lot of people in the family are always anxious. They have anxiety. They have high rates of depression. They feel powerless and helpless. This is an authoritarian family. This is, you know, parents are dictators. They run the household like it's a prison, like it's a work camp. Okay, so when when children come from that background, of course, they're going to be dysfunctional. What do we expect? They're going to be dysfunctional. That's just the way it is. All right. You know, the children are going to go from one extreme to another. Either going to be very, very, very shy, very reserved, very passive, or they're going to try to break out of that and become very defiant. Okay, rebellious. So either way, it becomes an extreme, okay? Now, substance abuse families. I mean, this is something that is common, okay? Someone in the the family or both parents in the family or many members of the family may experience drug and alcohol addiction, okay? Now, with the drug and alcohol addiction come, the children come deprivation. The children are deprived sometimes of their basic needs. They get neglected. Or abandoned. A lot of times the parents are absent from their lives because they are busy taking drugs. They are busy being consumed by their obsession with drugs. 
Okay, so substance abuse is definitely one of the reasons why some people are very dysfunctional. Right? I mean, some children, they have no boundaries at all because they are basically raising themselves because their parents are not available, even though they're in the home. Because they're alcoholics, because they're addicted to drugs, sometimes, you know, the children have to provide for themselves. They have to cook. They have to clean. They have to monitor their activities or they take care of the younger children. The children are totally neglected. Their emotional needs, their mental needs, their physical needs, their educational needs. The children are neglected. And some of these children are removed from the home. Some of these children may go to foster care or place for adoption because their parents cannot take care of them. Okay, And sometimes these children are also traumatized because their parents are not supervising them. They're not providing care. Sometimes other people take advantage of them and abuse them. Sometimes their own families who are using drugs abuse them, whether it be sexually, emotionally, mentally, or physically. Right? So if someone comes from an abusive family in terms of they're abusing drugs, you know, while they're under the influence of drugs, they become abusive. So they have a double whammy there. Okay? Now, next, mental health problem. A lot of families are unstable because of mental health, mental and emotional health. They have a lot of emotional neglect, the children. There's a lot of confusion, a lot of chaos. It's a lot of things happening in these homes because these parents are not well mentally. They're not present in the moment because they are somewhere else in their minds, living in their heads. Now, the mental problem could be minor or it could be severe. The person with the mental health problem could be functional or they could be totally dysfunctional. It all depends. They could be in touch with reality and just have some emotional problems or they could be psychotic, totally out of touch with reality. All right. So because of that, can you imagine a child being raised in that environment? I mean, they really don't know what's right or wrong. You know, there's a thin line between what is real and what isn't. I mean, what is normal, what isn't. I mean, you know, they really don't have structure and guidance. These parents could be okay for a couple weeks, couple months, and then they go back into that mental health episode. And because of that, they're not getting treatment. You know, it could be a lot of confusion and chaos happening in that home. The children are, you know, just everywhere, emotionally everywhere, mentally everywhere, even physically sometimes. Sometimes they have to go from household to household because the, the parents can't financially provide for them a stable environment because they're not able to work. They're not able to maintain any type of structure or any type of control in their lives. Okay. Now the last one is single parent family. Now a lot of people would say, why would you include that in that category? Right now, normally a single parent family is not dysfunctional. I mean, it's not. Okay. But it exposes a lot of people to a lot of other risk factors. Okay. You have one parent who's struggling to raise their children, all right? Now, they may not be struggling financially, okay? But to take the responsibility by yourself, emotionally and mentally and spiritually, okay? Physically, trying to do everything by yourself. As a single parent, I mean, that may put you over the edge, okay? Now, you may not be able to deal with your own emotions because you're overwhelmed, you're stressed out, you're tired, you're not emotionally available. All right, you may not have a support system. So this child, one child or many children may be dependent on you, whether you're the father or the mother, it doesn't matter. They are single 
parents, households that are ran by males. So a lot of time we think of single parent, we think of the female. But we do have some cases where the males are the single parent. Maybe they got sole custody of their child, or maybe the mother deceased, she died and they're a widow. Maybe the other parent, the mother is on drugs, or she has a mental health problem. Or maybe she just walked away and didn't want the responsibility, didn't want to be in a relationship. Maybe she moved out of the country. Maybe she's in the military. There could be many reasons why a father becomes a single parent. All right? And mothers, of, well, of course, we know mothers can be single parents. That's the majority of single parents are mothers. All right? Now, parents may not be emotionally available. If you're working two or three jobs and you have children, you're a single parent. Okay? You're trying to take care of all the bills. You're trying to take care of the physical needs of the house. You're trying to make sure everything's in order. Make sure everything that's broken is fixed. You got to take care of the, 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 the car. You got to take care of the medical needs, the financial needs, the mental needs, the emotional. It could be very difficult. You can be overwhelmed and stressed out. And once that happens, then your child can suffer due to that. So that's why single parent families, you know, sometimes they put children at risk to be dysfunctional because there's so many things happening. One person cannot take care of everything. And so you're bound to fall short somewhere because you're not supposed to do this by yourself. It takes two people to have a child. It should take two people to raise a child. If it took two parents to conceive a child, it should take two parents to raise the child. The father is bringing what the child needs. The mother is bringing what the child needs. If the father's not there, that child is going to be deprived of the parental influence, the parental love, the parental support. Okay? If the mother is not present, the same thing. That child's going to be denied, you know, the motherly support, the maternal guidance. So single parent family, you're not supposed to do this by yourself. And a lot of people who are choosing to become single parents, they're choosing. They're not trying to be in a relationship with the father or the mother of their child. That's pretty selfish because at the end of the day, that child needs both parents. So you can choose to say, hey, I'm going to have a child by myself. You could do that for your own emotional gratification, for your own need. But at the end of the day, that doesn't change the fact that that child needs the other parent. They need and nobody else can substitute for the other parent. Now, if you have no choice, that parent is dead, that parent is in prison, that parent is gone and you don't know where they are, of course, you're going to have to do the best you can and bring other people into their lives to help. But nobody can ever replace that biological parent. Every child at some point is going to ask for their other biological parent, whether that child is adopted, whether that child is conceived with a sperm bank, whether that child has a surrogate mother, it doesn't matter. At some point, that child's going to ask, where's my mother? Where's my father? Biological. Unless you're going to lie to them and tell them that someone else is their biological parent. And if you do, you're denying them their biological legacy, their family. There's another family that they need. All right. So it's very important for you to think about it when you want to have a child and you you know, you're intentionally going to have a child in a way that's going to eliminate the other family. You know, again, that child has to live with that. And that may cause some emotion and mental health problems. A lot of people just don't want to talk about that because they want what they want. I want a child and I'm going to get my child no matter what I have to do. 
right? But at the same time, that child is going to be affected by it. Not having the other parent. Okay, now does that mean that child won't survive? No. Does that mean that child is going to be mentally sick? No. But that child will have some emotional issues. That child may have some mental health issues because they want, they desire, and they crave that other parent to be in their lives. Now, even if that other parent is no good because that parent has a psychotic problem, that parent may be an abuser, that parent may be a criminal, I mean, that child is still going to hurt because that, that parent is not in their life. Either way, you know, either way, it's going to be a problem, okay? So if a child comes from these backgrounds, we can understand why they're dysfunctional. Right? Now let's go ahead on and discuss about the signs that you're dealing with a dysfunctional person. Okay, let's talk about that. What are the signs? Okay, unhealthy behaviors within a personal relationship. Now, sometimes you can meet someone and it may not be apparent or obvious that they are dysfunctional. I mean, they may not be acting a certain way. Sometimes it may take weeks, days, months maybe even years sometimes, but usually within a couple of days, if you know what to look for, you can know that you're dealing with a unhealthy and unhealthy person or a dysfunctional person. All right. Now let's talk about some of the behavior characteristics. They're immature and silly. They're childish. How do you assess that? I mean, their response, their reaction, their mindset, their value system there. You got to talk to people. Now, you know, again, you can meet somebody, they can look good on the outside. They can look professional and, you know, they're functional. They have a great job. They're on their own business. You know, they have money. They have social clout and status, you know, but it doesn't mean that they're not dysfunctional. You got to get to know people to find out what's going on with them. All right. Now, after a while, you're going to see they may be very mature in one way or some ways, but then the immaturity in childish behavior is going to come out in other ways. Now, they're irresponsible and reckless. That's dysfunctional. They're dishonest and deceptive. They're unreliable and impulsive. They're delusional and irrational. All right? So when you meet people who are acting like this, think about it. You know, they're not healthy people. Now, some people may say since 70 or 80% of people are dysfunctional, then that means the majority or over the majority, more than the majority of people are dysfunctional. So how are we going to deal with that? Well, we have to be able to identify these unhealthy dysfunctional behaviors in order for them to bring, in order for us to bring these behaviors to the attention of these people and give them an option. Now, maybe you didn't know you were immature, silly, or childish, but now that you're aware of it, do you want to continue to be that way? And then that person will have a choice. Yes, I like myself the way that I am and I'm not going to change. Then you can walk away and keep doing that until you meet somebody who is willing to do the work and willing to change or somebody who already identified that they had a problem, they did the work and now they're in a better place. Okay, let's continue with the dysfunctional behaviors. Now, people who are dysfunctional, they dislike anything that is healthy, positive or good. They have an aversion to being normal, okay? That dysfunctional becomes normal to them, all right? So when you meet somebody who's basically telling you, I don't want to eat healthy food. I like eating junk food. I don't want to be in a peaceful, loving environment. I want just total chaos and confusion. 
I don't want to deal with anything positive. It's boring. It's boring. I'm not interested in it. It's, it's, I need something that's exciting. I need something that, that's just, you know, chaotic and off balance and, you know, always changing. I don't like stability. Now, if a person is telling you that, they don't like anything that's healthy, positive, or good, that is a definite sign that they are dysfunctional. If they tell you, no, you know, I like drinking all the time. I don't mind being drunk. I don't mind taking drugs. You know, I don't mind getting into fights all the time. I don't mind somebody hitting me sometimes. That's exciting to me. Oh, I love that. That makes me feel alive. That makes me feel passionate. Now, automatically, you know that you're dealing with a dysfunctional person. Now, sometimes we may like people because they have other personality traits that we like. And we think that we can change them. Well, okay, they tell me that they're not healthy. They tell me they're not, you know, this, they're not that. And But I like them. I like them and I'm going to stick around because I think that I can change their mind. I think that I can make them a better person. I can make them more responsible. I can make them more kind. I can make them take interest in the positive things in life. Please don't waste your time. Please don't waste your time because you cannot force people to change. If they don't see anything wrong with what they're doing, if they like themselves that way and they like their lifestyle, they like their personality, there's nothing you can do about it. And they have the right to be dysfunctional if that's what they want to do. Leave them alone. Let them do them. You have to find someone that's on your level, someone that has similar personality traits, someone that's more healthier and more positive. That's all. Okay? Let's continue. Another dysfunctional personality trait is that these people usually have a problem with anger management. Okay? They like to get angry real fast. Okay? They have a problem with self-discipline and self-control. They don't know how to control their emotions, control their thoughts, control their impulses. They don't know how to do that, and they don't want to. They want to scream and yell and get angry and get mad at every little thing. They want to go to the extreme emotionally. They don't want to delay gratification. They want it, and they want it now. Some of them appear to be spoiled. How They're they're used to getting everything that they want. And they want what they want no matter what it costs. So this is a sign that a person is dysfunctional. They're very impulsive. Very, very impulsive. They're going to do whatever they feel. And maybe later on they'll apologize or they may not. And just, hey, accept it. Chalk it up as an experience. Right? Another sign. Likes being in chaotic situations and engaging in conflicts. Going from one crisis to the next. This is an exciting life to them. They're addicted to drama and problems. They they just love complete chaos. Okay, let's give an example, okay, of a dysfunctional girl. All right. Now a lot of a lot of dysfunctional girls may not even know they're dysfunctional because they come from families where the parent was the father was absent, okay, or the or the father was passive, or the mother was domineering. All right, so some of these girls, they come from dysfunctional families. Maybe the mom used to date a lot of guys who were rugged or rough and tough and mean. Now, some of these girls become dysfunctional. Now, let's just call them good girls. Good girls in a sense where they're not engaging in any criminal activity. They're not doing anything that's socially wrong. But they are attracted to what we call bad boys. 
they're attracted to troublemakers, rebels, or deviant men. Okay? Deviant, they like it. They feel like whatever it is that they're missing, because they're not allowed to be bad, they're not allowed to engage in certain activity. They're not allowed to go certain places. So when they meet these bad boys, these bad boys are free. So it seems because they're not inhibited, they're not controlled, and they're not being told what to do. So some of these girls like that because they want to live vicariously through these guys. They're bad, so-called bad, bad boys. They troublemakers, criminals. They, you know, they they admire them and look up to them because. They've been deprived the opportunity to be free, to do whatever they want, to be inhibited. Okay, so they like to see somebody else who's totally uninhibited. They, they like that. So you meet these girls, these so-called, quote, quote, good girls. They like bad boys. Okay, because that reminds them of what they're not able to do. They're not able to do all those things. So they like to live through that boy. Oh, you did this? Wow. You're very brave. You're courageous. I could never do that. You go where? Oh, my God. All right, so that boy gives them the experience that they've been denied. They want to experience certain things in life, and they've been denied that so they can live through that boy, okay? Now, they want that boy to smoke, you know, drink, sometimes have tattoos and engage in criminal behavior. And when they meet a good guy, they want to turn that good guy out. They want that good guy to be a bad guy. They'll ask him, hey, won't you get some tattoos? Not saying that people who get tattoos are bad. I'm not saying that. But some of these girls equate the tattoo with guys who are tough and strong and courageous. So they like to see tattoos on guys because they think that's what it represents or that's what it means. That's not true. Just because a person have a tattoo, they could be the, the most coward person that you've ever met. They could be so weak. It doesn't mean they're a strong person. Just because a person smoke weed and smoke and uh, cigarettes or, or cigars, just because they drink alcohol, doesn't mean that, you know, they're an exciting person. They're adventurers and they're, they're just a bold It doesn't mean none of that. But these girls seem to like to see that in some guys. So because they like to see that, and that represents something to them that's important. They want to see a guy who's a rebel. They're not a rebel. They want a rebel. They want a guy who can fight for them. Fight for them for what? When they do stupid things so the guy can get himself into trouble. Defending them for what? Because they've done some silly stuff. All right? So, men, you got to be careful when you meet these type of women. Because you could be a very straight guy. Straight in the sense where, you know, you're not engaging in nonsense. You don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't do this and that because you don't want to. Not because you're weak, not because you're lame, not because you're, you know, you're passive, because you want to have a healthy lifestyle. Smoking and drinking is not good for you. And you know that because you practice self-care, you're not going to engage in those activities. But this silly girl wants you to do those things because she wants to live this fantasy that she has in her head. And notice, after these girls live their fantasy, after a while, what do they do? They go find the good guys for them to marry, to have children with. And guess what? By that time, it's too late because the good guys don't want them. The good guys don't want them. All right, let's continue. Now, another dysfunctional behavior uh, of people who are dysfunctional, they praise, condone, and promote a decadent lifestyle, immorality, and irrational behavior. You know, they like to promote a crazy lifestyle. You notice that they're always talking about something crazy. They're always planning to do something crazy. 
You know, I mean, they listen to music that promote decadent lifestyle, immorality, and irrational behavior. They, you know, they, they hang around people who do that. They go to neighborhoods with people who do that. So this is dysfunction. All right. Now, abuse, neglect, or mistreat children. That's definitely a sign that a person is dysfunctional. If you meet anybody, that is the telltale sign. They're abusing, neglecting, or mistreating a child. That is crazy. That person is dysfunctional. All right. Now, poor parenting skills. If that person has poor parenting skill, they don't provide their child basic needs. They expose children to drugs and alcohol or influence them to use drugs and alcohol. They use children as a support system. Okay? The child is taking on the parental role. Run. If you meet a woman who's doing that, guys, run. She's dysfunctional. She doesn't know her right or her role as a a parent. If you find a man who's doing that, run, ladies, because he doesn't know his role as a parent. Again, anybody who's abusing, neglecting, or mistreating children, that is a sign that they are dysfunctional. Now, again, other signs, act violent, aggressive, and abusive with others, may be considered a bully. They are known for harassing, attacking, and hurting other people. Now, that is a sign that a person is dysfunctional. What are you doing with a person that acts violent and aggressive to those other people? Now, somehow you think it's never going to happen to you, but it will eventually just stay there long enough. Another thing, they are sexually perverted and promiscuous. They have no sexual boundaries, always open to sexual experiments and thrills, reckless and irresponsible sexually. Yeah, some of these girls like these guys. They're uninhibited. They'll have sex in a bathroom. They'll have sex in a car, in a park. You know, they'll do anything. Now, think now. There's nothing wrong with that, but if they don't have any boundaries, then guess what? You know, they're reckless because certain places, you're not supposed to be having sex. You're not supposed to be doing certain things because it comes with consequences. And why do you want to put yourself in that position? Okay, so just having sex in different places is not a problem, but they push the boundaries. Now, when you say that you don't want to do certain things, you don't want to experiment with certain sexual acts, now they will try to force or coerce you into doing it or try to, you know, rape you or take it, take you there when you don't want to go there. All right. This is the sign. Having sex in different places, if that's what you want, you're willing to take the risk, that's fine. All right. But when that guy or that girl has no boundaries and they're trying to turn you out, they're trying to make you do things that are against your moral codes. Because remember, they don't have no moral codes. They do whatever. That's a dysfunctional person. They want to get into threesomes and you know, they want to get go into sex clubs and, you know, and they, they, you know, swinging. I mean, they do all kind of stuff. Now, if that's what you want and you don't mind dealing with the negative consequences that come with that, that's on you. But when you're being influenced by somebody to do something that's not necessarily in your best interest, you may need to consider getting out of that relationship. All right. Continuing. Always talking about their problems, but never seek to change or find a solution. Going around in circles or looping back to the same situation. All right. Now, that is a problem that a person is dysfunctional. They're always talking about what's wrong in their lives. Always telling you about their problems. Always come and unload their emotional baggage on you. Always talking about how life is so unfair. They're pessimistic. You know, after talking to them, you feel sick. You become so overwhelmed. You discouraged. You feel like, you know, you just burnt out. 
That is a dysfunctional person. And every time you suggest that they find a solution to their problems, they don't want to talk about solutions. They just want to keep unloading their burden off on you. So eventually you have to walk away and leave them alone because you're drained emotionally. They feed off your energy and then they leave and you're just overwhelmed with their negative energy. They take your positive and give you their negative energy. Another sign, displaying no type of empathy, compassion, or mercy. They're very cold, detached, and heartless. They don't care about others. They show no signs of having a conscious, no remorse when they do something wrong or bad. Okay, this is a problem. This is definitely a problem. These are the signs of a dysfunctional person. You need to get away from them. All right, let's continue. Signs that a person has been exposed to a dysfunctional family. That's what we're talking about right now, signs. If you've experienced any of these signs, then you've been exposed to a dysfunctional family. You feel stressed out by being around family members. You get anxious, nervous, or uncomfortable at family events or activities. You can't wait for the event to end. A lot of people don't like holidays. A lot of people don't like birthdays. They don't like celebrations because that means that they have to go around their family. And if you don't want to be around your family, that means that you've been exposed to a dysfunctional setting in your family. That's the reason why you don't want to be around them because you have outgrown them. You are different. You're not like everybody else. You don't want to get caught up in the drama and the trauma and all that crazy foolishness. Okay, you're always anticipating some problems or conflicts will occur within your family gathering. That's the reason why you don't want to go because you know that somebody gonna act crazy. Now, this has become normalized because they show us on TV, the movies, you know, and people on comedy clubs, they talk about, you know, dysfunctional families, they talk about that crazy uncle, the molesting uncle, or crazy grandparent, you know. I mean, they just talk about it as if it's okay. And a lot of people have come to accept that they come from dysfunctional families and they don't even try to do anything to change it. They just accept it, right? Don't want to bring anyone to your house to meet your family. You may be embarrassed, ashamed, or feel bad. You don't know what to expect because of the instability. Okay, you may be drugs and alcohol. It may be domestic violence. It may be the house is unkept because the parents don't clean the house. Right. I mean, if you feel uncomfortable, you want to bring anybody to your house. That's a sign that something is wrong. You were exposed to abuse or experience it firsthand, whether it was physical abuse, sexual abuse. If you were exposed to any type of abuse, that's a sign that you were exposed to a dysfunctional family. You always wish you were born into another family. You always try to escape from your family, going to your friend house, spending time at the school, playing sports or anything that get you away from the house. If you experience that, most likely you are exposed to an abusive family, a dysfunctional, unhealthy family. You feel like you're the only person who has some common sense or decency in your family. Everyone else has a mental, emotional, or personal problem. If you're the only good person in your family, something is wrong. All your brothers, all your sisters, your cousins, your grandparents, your aunties, your uncles, you're the only good person. You're the only person with a heart, only person with compassion, the only person who's, who's decent, only person who accomplished a goal, the only person who ended intergenerational curses, who didn't, who didn't continue the cycle. Then you definitely know that you came from a dysfunctional family. 
You don't trust anyone in your family and you can't depend on them to be responsible because they're unreliable. Right? Now, you are exposed to family members with substance addiction, mental problems, and personality disorders, whether they were sociopaths, psychopaths, or narcissists. That definitely lets you know you come from a dysfunctional family. Now, there's no love, compassion, empathy, or generosity in the family. Everyone is selfish, egotistical, and uncaring. There's only conditional love. You know, they'll give you love on conditions. If you do this, if you act this way, if you, if you um, believe in this, all right? This is all they know, conditional love. There's excessive control in the family. There's no privacy or any sense of personal boundaries or respect for personal space. Children are used as pawns. If you come from that type of family where there's always some type of control issue going on, most likely it was dysfunctional. There's favoritism and unfair treatment. For other members of the family. Family members are targeted for attack while others are given special privileges and benefits. Family members are disowned, isolated, or abandoned. If you come from that type of family, you definitely know that you are exposed to dysfunctional behavior. Okay? Now let's talk about what happens when you are around dysfunctional people. What happens? Now, yeah, sometimes, again, like I said earlier, we like what we like. Everybody is not all bad. There's good and there's bad in people. And sometimes we kind of want to just kind of ignore the dysfunction in some people. We want to kind of minimize it, act like it's not that bad. It's not that serious. And the thing that we say, nobody's perfect. We try to justify dysfunctional behavior by saying, nobody's perfect. You know, everybody has a problem. Everybody has an issue. Absolutely. Nobody is perfect. Everybody will have some type of issue. But that doesn't mean that they're dysfunctional. It doesn't mean that they're unhealthy. People may have their bad habits or their ways, but they're consciously aware of what they're doing and they're working on trying to change it. And they're not trying to hurt nobody. They're not trying to make the dysfunction a permanent state. That's the difference. Okay. Now let's talk about what happens when you stay around dysfunctional people for a while. Okay. This is a reason that you, you need to avoid dysfunctional people because if you stay around them long enough, you will start to experience some of the effects, the negative effects. Now dysfunctional people pretty much provoke or trigger people to behave negatively or become aggressive. Okay. This is the whole thing. They pretty much promote negativity all the time. So if you're going to be around them at some point, you're going to be provoked or triggered to behave in a negative way. That's just natural. (laughs) That's just normal. Meaning that naturally, if you're around negative, negative begets negativity. For every action, there's a reaction. If there's a negative action, there's going to be a negative reaction. So if you're around negative people all the time, if you're around unhealthy people, you're going to start adopting their ways. You're going to start doing things the way that they do it. You're going to start responding the way that they respond. Unknowing to you, you're being set up because that dysfunctional person wants you to become dysfunctional. They want you to start acting out of character, okay? And once you start acting out of character, you become like them. So in other words, dysfunctional people want to make others just as dysfunctional as they are. That's just the bottom line. They want you to be 
dysfunctional. Misery loves company. They don't want you to be who you are. They want you to become like them. And that's the reason why they like you, because they know that you're not like them, but they're going to shape and mold you, persuade you, seduce you, influence you to change. And sometimes that's a challenge for them. Dysfunctional people like being around people who are normal and healthy because they are challenged to change you. Okay? Now, now eventually you're going to start doing dysfunctional things in order for you to conform to their standards. You have to adopt some of their dysfunctional ways in order for you to deal with them. Because if you have two people who are not identical or similar in certain ways, in order for them to coexist, somebody's not going to have to get on somebody's level. In order for them to meet halfway, somebody's going to have to change. That dysfunctional person is very aggressive and very domineering. Obviously, they're not going to change. So the other person who's more cooperative and more willing you know, to please that person, they will eventually change sometime without even knowing that they're changing. Okay? People have to get in a negative state of mind in order for them to deal with dysfunctional people. They have to become defensive, aggressive, and protective just not to be abused. This is what I mean by earlier when I made that statement. They will provoke, they will agitate, and they will sort of trigger you And if you don't want to be abused and you don't want to be attacked, you're going to have to beat them to the punch. You're going to have to be abusive. You're going to have to be aggressive. You're going to have to be the one to counter them by being them. So that's why it's not good for you to be around a person who's dysfunctional because eventually you're going to adopt some of their ways. Now, I'm saying the same thing in so many different ways, but it's the same thing. Now, dysfunctional people like to project their flaws, their faults, their insecurities, and their weakness onto other people, okay? If they're naive or they're ignorant in some way, they're going to project, oh, you're naive, you're ignorant. In reality, it's they. They're the ones who are experiencing that. If they don't have certain skills and they don't have certain knowledge, they're going to project it on you, okay? Now, dysfunctional people distract you from your goals, paths, and journey. They lead you to focus on other matters that are not really important or relevant to you. That's what it is. Now, if you're a healthy person, it's kind of hard for you to be attracted to a person with dysfunctional. Now, maybe you're attracted to them physically or you may be attracted to a certain personality trait. But once you realize that they're dysfunctional, it's just a matter of time before you end up getting away from them because they will distract you. They will take your attention away from your positive goals, your positive behaviors, and your positive accomplishment. They'll take you somewhere that you don't want to go. They'll take you on a whole opposite journey. Okay? Now, dysfunctional people will cause you to become traumatized, depressed, weak, and insecure. Right? Dysfunctional people blame others for their personal problems instead of taking responsibility or be accountable. They'll sit there and blame you, saying it's your fault. It's your fault that they're this, they're that. And they were like that way before they've met you. They have nothing to do with you, but somehow they place the blame on you. They're dysfunctional. They're unhealthy and they're abusive. They're controlling and they're domineering. 
Dysfunctional people work against you and don't have your best interests at heart. They have bad intentions towards you, no matter how kind or nice you are to them. It's a one-way streak with these people, okay? They're not going to reciprocate what you give them. If you're nice to them, they're not going to be nice to you. If they are nice, it's superficial, and it's because they want something out of you. They're like psychic vampires. They just want to suck your positive energy, okay? Misery loves company. They're miserable, and they want you to be miserable. Dysfunctional people will always put you in the position to compromise your values. They want you to give something up. You're always going to lose something that's important to you while they gain everything. All right? So again, dysfunctional people will make you compromise. You're going to compromise yourself on all levels. You're going to give up everything for them. And they're going to have everything and you're not going to have nothing. They don't have your best interests at heart. They don't care about you because they don't care about themselves. Dysfunctional people have poor communication skills, no interpersonal skills, and have many flaws, deficiencies, and problems. So it's very important that you understand who you're dealing with. Don't get caught up in the superficiality because they look good, because they're charming, because they appear to be adventurous. They appear to have everything together. Now, dysfunctional people may be well off. They may be wealthy. They may have a lot of material things. They may have a lot of so-called friends, a lot of following, because, again, they're charming. But once you get to know them on an individual basis or you start getting close to them, you start seeing who they really are. You understand that it's all a lie. It's all a game. These people are deceptive and manipulating, dysfunctional. Now, they'll agree to come into your life because they want to change you and make you like them. A lot of times they're jealous of your peace of mind. They're jealous of your healthy state. They're jealous that you are content, that you are happy where you are. A lot of times they're jealous and they don't want to see you prosper and succeed. They don't want to see you in a blissful state. They want you to be like them. Again, misery loves company. And don't let them fool you. The best thing to do is not to be around these people. Once you identify who they are, leave them alone. Now, if you want to have a conversation with them, you think that some of them may be ready to make certain changes, then you can have that conversation. But if they choose to continue these unhealthy behaviors, these dysfunctional behaviors, the only thing you could do is walk away. Learn a very valuable life lesson. Okay, know that you're unequally yoked, that you are with somebody that you have nothing in common with. And if you don't have anything in common with that person in terms of your value system, in terms of your belief, in terms of your life goals, in terms of personality trait, why are you with them? Why are you with them because they look good? Or maybe they have something material to offer you. Maybe, you know, they're giving you a different experience. But it comes with a cost. There's a price to pay when you're around dysfunctional people. They will drag you down and take you to their level 
when you least expect it. So you got to be careful dealing with dysfunctional people. You want to be positive. You want to maintain your positivity. You have to be around other people who are healthy, positive, and who are willing to change for the better. Thank you.